Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you okay? Um, I'm well, I think. So far, so far, who knows? Um, A few days ago, I was uh, taking part, well, taking part, I was watching um, some opera singers on Zoom. It was absolutely brilliant. This couple that that I know that are um, really good opera singers and obviously they haven't been able to perform for a while. And so people were coming together to watch it and support them. And I think there were about 50 different Zoom windows open, about 100 people watching it. It was great. Um, but obviously you have to be very careful about turning off your mics, the, the mic off or putting it on mute when the couple start to, to perform. Absolutely. Um, but there was one, <laughs> one song that they were singing so in such a beautiful way. But I realised that one couple had not turned their mics off. And I'm just looking at them. They, I don't know, I, they must have made a bit of noise. So they were on one of the few, because even when you got speaker view on, on Zoom, um, I just thought we'd know what about Zoom 12 months ago. Anyway, um, speaker, speaker view on Zoom, you can see the main person and also a few down the side. And so they, their mic must have picked something up because they were one of the few. And you're just looking at them thinking, if if you say something now, like, you know, <laughs> they're not very good. Not that they were, weren't good. They, they, this couple were absolutely brilliant. But I was just waiting for them to say something. And uh, one of them whispered to the other one. Um, and then the other one started saying yes. And But fortunately said nothing more than that. But my attention was moved from this incredible <laughs> performance to this couple just thinking, Oh, my goodness, you know, that if they say something and I was sending them text saying, your mic is on, turn your mic off. And clearly they hadn't got their phones with them, understandably again. But there we go. So that that's what I was doing, watching people on Zoom and willing them not to, not to say something uh, that, that could be embarrassing. So there we go. Hey, ho. Um. Well, we have some pretty fine books to talk to you about today. Quite a selection. There are six in total um, and they're just some really good ones. There are some really good ones to talk to you about. There are some good ones and then some 
not quite so good ones. So take from that what what, what you will. Um, but the first one, well, OK, I should tell you all of them. So the first book is Dog Days by Erica Waller. And I am thrilled to say that we're going to be talking to Erica in a little bit. Um, then we've got the, a book called Your Neighbour's Wife by Tony Parsons. Um, obviously, Tony is a very well-known writer. And this is his new standalone. Uh, then we've got a book called Supper Club by Lara Williams. Um, then we've got Hunted by Anthony Dunford. Uh, then something slightly different, The Tea Dragon Society by Katie O'Neill. This is um, a sort of a, a, a mid-grade, YA, more mid-grade graphic novel. And someone described it as a balm to the soul. And so once I heard that, I was like, yes, please press the button. I would like to read this book. This is what I need. And then the the last book is one called Mimi uh, by Ralph Kalilov. And uh, that as well is, well, it's not a graphic novel. It's got pictures in it, um, but there's text as well. And, and that's a story for different ages, um, probably mid-grade, but also older as well. So, yes, as you can see, quite a selection. Um, and first, I want to talk to you about Dog Days. And when I heard about this, I thought, oh, gosh, is it just going to be a bit sort of um, emotional women's fiction? I wasn't sure what it was going to be, but I really enjoyed this one. I enjoyed the characters. Um, I enjoyed the role that dogs played in it, but it wasn't it wasn't twee or anything like that. Anyway, let, let's read you the blurb. Well, actually, can I find the blurb? Because this was a proof copy. There we go. I found the blurb. We'll be, <laughs> be pleased to see. It's going to be one of those days, ladies and gentlemen, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be one of those days. George is very angry. His wife has upped and died on him. And all he wants to do is sit in his underpants and shout at the cricket. The last thing he needs is his cake-baking neighbour, Betty, trying to rescue him. And then there's a, the dog, a dachshund puppy called Poppy. George doesn't want a dog. He wants a fight. Lizzie is living in a women's refuge with her son Lenny. Her body is covered in scars and she has shut herself off from everyone around her. But when she is forced to walk the refugee's fat terrier Maud, a new life beckons if she can keep her secret just a little longer. Dan is a counsellor with OCD. He's great at helping other people, but not so good at helping himself. His most meaningful relationship so far is with his Labrador fits. But then comes a therapy session that will change his life. Dog Days is a novel about those small but life-changing moments that only come when we pause to let the light in. It's about three people learning to make connections and find joy in living life off the leash. So, OK, if you're somebody who has to have zombies in your book or serial killers, um, you know, something really hard hitting like that, then this book may not be for you. Um, but I think for everybody else, this is a book that you would get something from. Um, you would enjoy it, but it's not it's not a, an easy read in some respects. You know, people are going through really difficult circumstances. So it, it's meaningful, thought provoking. It's just it's an it's a nice read, but it also had the surprises in there that that I like from a book. Um, so for me, it delivered on many different levels. And I think we just need to talk to Erica now about this book. So, Erica, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, it's just great to talk to you. The, these three characters 
George, Dan and Lizzie, did, were there always going to be these three from the start in your mind? Yes, the, um, it just, they came to, this sounds really um, pretentious and I'm not at all, but they just appeared in my head that they just did. They mm. just, they were there and um, with their stories and I wrote them down. Which is great. And it's not, it's not a namby-pamby book for people that sort of look at the cover. This is a cover with sort of guts and, and yeah. a real story to tell. Was that hard writing it? Um, there are a lot of personal influences in the book. So um, I lost, um, I don't know if you remember the Shaw and disaster uh, a couple of years oh, ago. Yeah. So the um, the chauffeur driver Morris was my best friend. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and uh, so obviously we lost Morris very very suddenly, and he was a very he was a very very good friend of mine. Um, and so grief, uh, very sudden grief, unprepared for sudden yeah. grief. You know, I spoke to him just before he went to give that lady a lift in in the car. Oh. Um, so it was something that I. I think I needed to exercise, but to to explore this idea of the stages of grief. Um, this is a really depressing story. I'm so sorry. No, and, no. Uh, and then, um, story to be told. A very good friend uh, lost her brother to very sudden suicide. Um, just out of the blue, just Lord, you know. And I wanted to uh, maybe unlock the lid on the idea that suicide was a selfish thing. And then um, I. I really like books like the yellow wallpaper and, and this kind of thing and the idea that women have to be mad or bad if they do something wrong. So if you're a woman and you do something that's unladylike, we have to labour you. You have to go, oh, this woman's mad or she's bad. So I wanted to write a character that wasn't mad or bad, just a flawed person. Yeah. So I think those were kind of my big themes. And then the dogs were there to kind of cheer the book up <laughs> <laughs> you know and to show that actually unconditional love the, the dogs are a metaphor for unconditional love which is what everybody deserves yeah and I liked it. it wasn't a case of oh here comes along a dog and it solves your life and everything's fine but it it's this sort of silent partner just running alongside you and uh, and how it can at times help you if you, they have to accept you and you have to accept them but um you were just talking about the title before we started recording this and, and it really made me think actually can you explain a bit more about how yes, you came so to the title dog days is what winston churchill called uh depression he called it the black dog on his shoulder so dog days uh, the title was a reference to um, to those really dark days, you know, the um, the days when life is too much. And then obviously there's the the fact that your dog will love you all through that time. But yeah, it is a reference to the darkest days of your life. It's a cheery book. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I was going to say that in a way it is cheery in that you you can read it. And I wasn't affected. I could sympathise and empathise with the characters, but I didn't feel down reading it. I actually felt it quite sort of um, therapeutic in a way because it helped me work work through certain issues as well. So I found it uh, in a way quite uplifting, but it was yeah. the journey of the book. I toyed with the title, um, it was always going to happen because the idea is everything that happens to these characters is kind of inevitable. 
and it's it's about um, there will be things in life that you cannot stop happening. All you can do is cope with them and you know mm. move on. George loses his wife, for example. There was no controlling that. All he can control is his response to it, which actually he doesn't control yeah. very well. But it's um, it's the idea that life um, life is bigger than you, and you're not in control of of what's going to happen to you. And it's about how you respond to things that happen in your life but because um I've gone through a lot of therapy and counseling with anxiety where I could I did kind of want to impart these small nuggets that I'd picked up along the way not a self-help book by any means at all but um where you can shed light I think it's really important that you that you do if you have a voice where you you've got a platform where you can give advice and you know especially at the moment where anxiety is huge mm. where I could show a healing process I did try to and and I think that's great because for me self-help books always fail to deliver because my expectations of them are so high that I once I've read the book you know I'll be skipping off into the sunset and everything will be yeah. great whereas a book like this I'm, I'm not expecting it to help me and mm. yet as I'm reading the story it does and I think that it that's beautiful really well that's I've um I like funny books I like before I wrote dog days I you know I was a columnist for a long time and a a mum blogger and stuff and I've always kind of tried to be very uh realistic about um non-competitive and realistic about how I find life motherhood dog Mm. owners you know I, I, I don't I don't like to make anybody else feel they're failing so I think uh in I tried to always um balance out anything that was too sad I tried to kind of like you know, Betty's a very great character for kind of um, picking the story back up again. And obviously Fitz and the dogs and even characters like Luke, you know, those kind of people that they're steady and they're there. So you can kind of rely on them and they'll they'll pull you through the book. Yeah. And and, and it does. It's it, it's glorious. And I, I'm interested because, as you say, you originally were a blogger, a columnist. Mm-hmm. Was this the first book you have written or is this no. the result of other other I'm hours? Of, no, I'm one of those people that um, uh, doesn't like the word no. So <laughs> I wrote um, I wrote a book uh, called Confessions of a Mother Inferior, which was part biographical, actually. I didn't realise it was biographical at the time, but it, it was. It was all a bit awkward and weird. So I wrote that book and, um, it, it, you know, it, it was on Amazon. And it, so I did write that, but I didn't get the big book deal that I dreamed of. Right. And then a few years later, I wrote a book called Supernova, uh, which was a YA book, very much centred on anxiety. And again, I published it with Britain's Next Bestseller, which is basically self-publishing. And um, it was a love story to, to anxiety. And then... I think it was either single, you know, one last, one last attempt, and it came about in a really bizarre way. We'd gone to Latitude, and yeah. Sleeper were doing a reunion. I don't know if you remember Sleeper, <laughs> yeah. but I, I was like, Louise, we're not obsessed. And we went to see her. They were doing a sort of like four in the afternoon. There were about ten people there, and my family made up five of them. <laughs> and my husband didn't believe how old she was, so he googled her, and he found out she ran a creative writing course at CB Creative. And he said, you should go and do that writing course. And I said, no. And actually, I didn't get on the CB creative writing course, but I did get on the Faber one. Oh, and it all, just came, it all just came about like that. It was very quick and it was very bizarre. He just said, look, let's just 
do this one last time. Let's just do it. So I got on the Faber course um, and it, it all went from there. That's fascinating. The number of authors I've interviewed whose books I've loved who have completed the Faber course. Yeah, Faber course is pretty... Um, I mean, uh, S.J. Watson, you know, is a Faber course. I think uh, Rachel Joyce was a Faber course. Um, Max and my and lovely, also. Yep. And my lovely Helen Paris, whose book, uh, Lost Property, is also coming out. She is, I met her on the Faber course. We became very good friends and really close books. So we both got a book deal with the same publisher. Oh. It was a real, it was a, it was a, amazing because both of us sat on the Faber course like we're so bad we both sat there like <laughs> feeling so wrong you know there were people there like who were like war correspondents that you know like really yeah really you know and they're like I've lived here and I've lived there and I was like oh look I've got nothing I had three kids really young and I've been at home I've gotten you know I felt so um like I'd wandered into entirely the wrong area I hadn't read any of the books I'd read. I didn't know any of their references. You know, I was the kind of one that was like, all I thought about was like, can we open the Marks and Spencer's biscuits now? Like it was a, you know, just like really want a posh biscuit, but is it rude to ask? So, but actually the course were great and I made some amazing friends. My teacher was super cool, Sabrina. I had a really good, really, really fantastic time on the course. Oh, that's fantastic. So is there anything that's surprised you about the, the publishing industry? It's a lot nicer than I thought it was. I think, you know, when before I did the Faber course, I felt like agents and editors and publishing houses were these big, dark places where they kind of were very negative spaces. And it, it can appear that way when when you're when you're approaching, but actually from my experience, those first two books, they weren't good enough and I hadn't learned enough and I hadn't worked on them enough. But when you've, when you've got a product or, you know, something you've really worked on, they're actually the most supportive, positive, inclusive group of people. And I historically don't work well with women. Growing up with boys and being a bit of a tomboy, I always found office environments, you know, chats around the water cooler, I always found them quite, um, I didn't like them. And there's a lot of women publishing and I I was nervous about about working with women um and I've just felt I just fell into like a puddle of the best people I've ever met all of them and so genuine just they really care about your book and your characters and even though they publish books all the time you feel very unique to them so it is mm -hmm. but you um it's a business yeah and I think that's what I learned when I when I finally had a book that I felt I could defend, I realised that actually everybody says they can write a book, but they can't. That's you know. the truth. That would be my harsh knowledge, yeah. you know. Yeah, yes. So I, a lot of people say to me now, oh, I've always would love to write a book, and they start telling me a story, and I go, yeah, go, go and write it. But actually, it's all right to say as a writer, not everybody can do what I do, and I think that's the biggest thing getting a publishing deal has taught me, the ability to say, I am a... I'm a writer. And you absolutely are. If you could go back five, six years, what would you tell yourself? I think I would like to go back a lot farther than that. Um, had quite a quirky kind of upbringing. Um, and uh, I was, I mean, now 
that you know you get diagnosed with anxiety when I was a kid there was no such thing as anxiety for children mm. it was like pesto or mayonnaise we just where I grew up yes. they haven't been invented you know <laughs> so um I was just this really weird kid that couldn't handle assemblies and you know um mm. would just kind of panic and would sit in her English class just looking at the door worried she was going to pass out so I think I'd like to go back to like quite a young version and just go everything you're going through everything you think is wrong one day is going to come together in this big and actually you're going to make it you know you mm. will because I didn't go to university because of panic and I didn't do you know it, anxiety did steal a lot of my life mm. but now I wouldn't have changed anything you know so I think it, I would just kind of say to that little kid just hang just hang on you know yeah hang in there It'll yeah be hang right. in there and everything that hurts you and everything that bothers you will make you a really uh good writer one day hopefully and that you're not on your own that no, absolutely you know. I think it's a huge I think it's a huge thing to when you when you've got anxiety or or uh, you're having a panic attack everybody else seems to be so casual and so relaxed so there's nothing better than somebody saying what are you finding this cue a bit stressful as well you know there's something really yeah. nice it's a real lifeline to have somebody else kind of say finding this difficult you know and with the OCD themes in the book I had a friend who her brother had cancer he didn't die and she developed OCD through that and actually I remember going to a group with her and when she discovered other people doing the same thing she the relief on her face yes that we're not alone yes and I think that's so helpful if, if we all just stop pretending that everything's perfect and Absolutely. and we're winning and when we're just honest with ourselves and everyone else, it just makes life a lot easier. Especially, especially in lockdown, you know. I mean, mm. I live in a very small village just next to Brighton. And I go and walk the dogs every day. And if I see any other school mothers or anybody and they say, how is it? I go, awful, terrible, struggling. Because I just, yes. I refuse to, I'm, oh, we're having a great time. And we watch family films and do jigsaws. And I've started my own organic candle business. I yeah. really haven't. Yeah. I haven't worn a bra. haven't washed my hair. I'm just coping yeah so, and I just think it's really important to be honest if I'm having a really bad day yes and yeah. then and that be okay to say without people going mm, she's having a bad day you know yeah and I and think often, sorry I was going to say that often the ones that say the that everything is so perfect are actually the ones that are just holding on to life really, by their fingertips it makes me feel really sad when I see kind of people um posting uh, non-stop you know I think oh, I just kind of want to give you a cuddle and it's all mm. right it's okay to just cry or not make a homemade cake or we're just getting through this we are just <laughs> trying to get through this and I think we've seen the best and the worst of people but I have to say for me fiction's never been never been more important to me than it is now I've mm. been escaping I'm struggling to sleep which I think is quite common in this pandemic and I'm kind of reading just so many books at the minute and I just want to dive into that fiction it's a thank god for books yes in pandemic. all books all of them and are you able to write at the moment are you I did write? write my second book um I wrote my second book during lockdown so um yeah I can characters kind of as I say they kind of come to me so it's a very weird thing I'll kind of wake up one morning and there's a little voice in my head and I don't do anything with it and then eventually I'll kind of just go to the computer and it just kind of comes out my face it's really weird doesn't it but it, it just, just kind of mm. comes so uh Dolly 
brewed herself in me uh, a, a little while ago Miley, and um and she had a story to tell she came with her bags packed and her story that she wanted me to tell her uh, that everybody so I kind of did and she came with a, a whole group of friends and wow. you know so I honestly just let her out that's how I you know I can't say anything I didn't plan it I didn't plot it I didn't I just wrote what yes. she told me to write. So do you have this formula, like you, you will write a thousand words a day and that's how it's going to happen? Or is it much more organic? Just when when the character's there and you accept I, them? <laughs> you... Yeah, I, I think you have to kind of at some point go, this is what I'm writing then, this is what I'm doing. So forget doubting that bit. You're like, okay, this is what I've got. This is the story. So I'm not going to keep wondering if it's any good. I'm just going to go with this. I try and write every day when I'm writing. Yeah, maybe 1,500 words a day. And I'm quite linear so I have to I can't just do a random scene I will just kind of go through mm. so I do have a bit of a process it's quite intense I write very quickly I write a book in about three to six months very intensely and then I do a lot of editing I've got an amazing agent that's how I everybody does it really differently you know everybody I'm a rusher I've always rushed <laughs> and what's the most exciting part for you now as we're as we're coming up to to launch what what to publication day I think um no I don't I don't want to be this person but uh I think having my book in a bookshop and just being able to say to all of the people in my life who have talked to me oh you're not going to make it you know my husband and I we went to the school it's like a Michael Mackin not Michael McIntyre a Mickey Flanagan search we went to the school where um you load the van you're never going to drive the van you know we yeah we were very there was no you you guys are going to make it out of here type thing yeah. very small village in the middle of the country and school of hard knocks both of us you know and I think all the times that I didn't quite make the great and all of the bosses and everything it's just like look I never gave up and mm. I've done this but I think the most important thing and it's in the dedication at the front of the book to my daughter's like if I can do this, you guys can do anything. And the my favourite saying that anything can happen, like anything can happen. Yes. Yeah. So that for me, I think is the biggest is the biggest thing. Just being able to see that dreams can come true. It's been a dream since you know when I was a kid. If I didn't like the end of a book, I'd rewrite it. Like five, six years old. You know, this has been a long. This has been a forty-year journey. So to finally have a published book in my hand with such an amazing, like, as I say, Dubbley and Penguin, it's just, it's, I still have to pinch myself sometimes that this has actually happened to me. Uh, and this is my life now. It feels insane. I feel very lucky and very grateful. Well, it's, it's very well deserved. That's all, that's all I can say. It's a great book and everyone, uh, everyone needs dog days in their life they need to get this book and read it so erica thank you so much for joining me i've really appreciated it oh thank you well wasn't that interesting just um i just find it fascinating to talk to authors about how they get on and about their book so there we go that's erica waller uh, and her book dog days so the next one is your neighbor's wife by tony parsons um tony's written various books sort of comedy um crime and the last set have been a series. So this is, as I said earlier, is his first standalone. And I really enjoyed this. OK, so this is the blurb. One mistake can ruin your life. Tara Carver seems to have the perfect life. A loving wife and mother. She's the sort of person you'd want to live next door to, who might even become your best friend. 
But who is she really? In one act of madness, Tara puts all she loves at risk. The married man she spent one night with now wants a serious relationship and he will not leave her or her family alone until she agrees. But then he is brutally murdered. And that's when Tara's troubles really begin. Um, this is one of those books that you just romp through and not in a bad way, in a good way. It's sort of just, I, I found it easy to get into, easy to read at a time when um, possibly other books I would have found it difficult. Um, it's quite a chunky monkey. It's 400, 420 pages long. Um, but but I just enjoyed it. It's one with the twists and turns. It's a thriller. It's a good thriller. And uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. And it just shows that Tony Parsons can deliver not just the, the series that he's been writing recently, but this standalone. And in some ways it felt as if he'd been wanting to write this for a while, but had to finish the series first. So thank goodness he finished the series because this is a this is a corker. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that one. So that's Tony Parsons, Your Neighbour's Wife. Next one. Mm, interesting. Supper Club by Lara Williams. This isn't a book I would have picked up myself. Let's say that um, it was one that was voted for us to read um, as part of the Patreon Club for uh, Lauren, um, who I admire a lot. She's a booktuber. She's been on this podcast at Christmas um, and uh, it was we were given two books to choose from. The theme was food and this was the one that that got the most votes. I think I might have voted for it. Um, it. It's a weird one because it. I just didn't know what to make of the book. And we've had the online book chat about it and it got such mixed responses. So if you are looking for a book for your book club um, that you're not afraid to sort of be quite punchy in some you know different challenging ways but something to really get people talking and have people have different views about then this could be one for you okay this is the blurb 29 year old roberta has spent her whole life hungry until the day she invents supper club supper club is a secret society for hungry women each woman comes for her own reasons carrying her own damages and needs her own erasures and erosions that's a Sorry, I'm just stopping now. That's a very clever way of putting it. Her own erasures and erosions. Anyway, sorry, back to the blurb. They come seeking transcendence. They come seeking themselves. They gather after dark and feast until they are sick. And month by month, their bodies expand. At the centre stands Roberta, cynical yet anxious, precocious and lost, searching for the answer to a simple question. If you feed a starving woman, what will she grow into? This is a story about the hunger that never goes away. It's a story about rage and about joy. Most of all, it is a story about young womanhood in all its profound loneliness, its wild fleeting surges of hope. I found the book easier to read than I was thinking so I could get into it, but I couldn't get into it, if you know what I mean. I couldn't understand the motives of the characters I didn't feel any emotion coming through. There was mention of people being sick and that for me, frankly, is a big no, no. If you could see my face now, I'm pulling a horrible face because I just don't like that in books. And th there's all sorts of, oh, well, some people call them triggers. You know, there are some nasty things covered in the book that m may upset you. Um, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't read the book. 
it's just to be aware that it's not uh, everyone skipping around holding hand and rose petals being thrown everywhere. As it, It's not, as I said in a previous podcast, it's not a, a hula hoop moment. I, I don't remember saying that, but an author messaged me saying that that made her laugh. So there we go. It's not it's not all hula hoops in this book. There are no hula hoops in this book, actually. It It's just characters that you don't understand and it's all a bit surreal and and that for some people is a great thing that's what people want from from a book um so it, it it's not it's not your meat and two veg it's one of those courses they serve where you don't know what it is and there's all this sort of ice and mist going round and something looks like one thing but tastes like something else it's one of those meals so if if that's the sort of meal that you're looking for in a book then the supper club could be for you um if it's not and you like things just straightforward that they're not but i think that's the glory of these book clubs where you get to read books that you just wouldn't come across normally and i've got to say anybody in my family that's seen the cover as i've been reading it have stopped and said what's that all about um because in my cover there's this woman's hand and she's clenching a whole lot of blackberries um but it looks as if she's clenching a heart and uh, so there's a very, um, very eye catching, whether good or bad, cover. Um, so that's that's something else as well. If you're into different sorts of covers. Um, so the next book. Oh, gosh, that was just stuck to one. Oh, do apologise. Poor book there. That shows how many how much anti-vax spray I'm using at the moment that even my books are sticking together. Uh, we just... <laughs> And the food delivery this morning from the supermarket. And I just have this stuff that I just spray everything. Yes, uh, it gives me an asthma attack, but I just spray everything. And then for the next day, the floor is so sticky. You know, if you stand still too long, you then have to get someone to come along and pull you to to get you off. But never mind. Um, so the next book is Hunted by Anthony Dunford. Um, and... I really enjoyed this one. Very atmospheric. Let, let's read the blurb first of all. Um, Once a member of the world's first female, first all-female special forces unit, the Norwegian hunter troop, Jane Haven is now helping her brother, Kenneth, protect some of the world's most endangered animals at his Kenyan Wildlife Conservancy. Drawn away from her vigil protecting Douglas, the world's last remaining male northern white rhino, Jane returns to find a scene of devastation and murder. Everything and everyone Jane cares for is affected. But before she can track down the killers, Jane finds that she's the one being hunted. Um, so this is very atmospheric. It really uh, teaches you more, I think, about Kenya, about the risks of being on reserves. It's got the twists and turns that you would expect. It's very well researched and well written. Um, it's very interesting in terms of all the different threats um, to that area of the world and to these beautiful animals. Um, and what I admit, when I first saw the cover, it's got someone looking through a sort of telescope at um, a, a rhino and there's a woman standing next to, to the rhino. I thought, oh, gosh, I, uh, is this going to be something that's going to make me feel uncomfortable? But, it, it, well, it makes you feel uncomfortable because people do things that you don't want them to do in the book. But that's, that's how it should be. It should get your emotions. But it is really good. And it's about committing to these endangered species and trying to protect them so it's it's all good i thought it was it was great it's another book that's um, been published recently by hobeck and um 
Anthony Dunford as well has um, been shortlisted. He was shortlisted for the 2019 UEA Crime Writing Prize, longlisted for the 2020 Grindstone Literary Novel Prize. So this man can write. Um, how many pages is it? 300 330, 340. It didn't feel like that when I was reading it. Um, and it's just nice to have these books from smaller publishers. And I think some time ago I said that Hobeck, I had only come across them back 12 months ago but they've been going for a while that that's complete rubbish absolute rubbish they're very new and they've got a good podcast as well where they talk about the publishing process and they're very honest um and uh, yeah i enjoy listening to that one as well so anyway philippa back to the book that's hunted by anthony dumford so this next book, The Tea Dragon Society, I would never have picked this one up. But as I said earlier, when someone says a book is a balm to the soul, I'm, I'm in. That's what I need. And there are times when I just can't read a book, a full book, um, where just with everything going on, my attention is diverted and I need something that is... I'm just not going to judge myself on it. It's simple, nice, easy. And this is just lovely. Um, it's just a lovely story about these tea dragons and um, a couple of girls meeting each other, forming a friendship, learning how to look after these tea dragons. Listen, if you don't ever read mid-grade books or even younger or YA um, and you certainly don't want a picture in your book, then you're not going to get your head around this. But if you're just finding it hard and you think, oh, let's just have something that takes me away. Um, then then I think this was lovely. And apparently there's another one in the series. Um, I just thought, lovely. I like the concept of these tea dragons. And at the back, it's got pictures of the different types of species and their traits. Just, it's a lovely little world that's been created. It doesn't take you long to read, um, but it's lovely. And the final book, Mimi by Ralph uh, Kalilov. Now, um, this was sent to me because um, it's, sort of on the the concept of autism um, and about educating people. It's not a, a guide to understanding autism. It's not that at all. It's a book that helps you appreciate that we're all different and that we meet we should meet people where they are and not try and change people to meet us where we are. Um, I think it's quite hard to get um, on to get this book it's quite hard to get I can't talk now you see this one's rendered me speechless it's hard to buy this book that's what I'm trying to say to you um but if you can and and it just if you're trying to explore well it's not just about autism it, it's just explore um differences in people then it it might be something that that you enjoy this is the this is the blurb. Mimi is a poignant story about a young koala who is unlike any other. She communicates differently, plays differently and thinks differently. As she grows from a young joey into an adolescent, she struggles to build bonds with her peers and faces many tribulations along the way. At her side throughout are her loving parents who are tasked with trying to understand her, foster her familial relations and unlock her unique potential. Um, and it's actually written by um, the author is, has an autistic child himself. Um, so it, in some ways, I, I was expecting it to sort of be an ABC guide to autism and it's not. But what it does is educate you without mentioning any technical terms or anything like that. Let's just accept people. Um, so there we go. And that is it. That is my pile of 
pile of books done. Good grief. Someone get this girl a cup of coffee. So we've got Dog Days by Erica Waller. Um, Your Neighbour's Wife by Tony Parsons. Supper Club by Lara Williams. Hunted by Anthony Dunford. The Tea Dragon Society by Katie O'Neill. And Mimi by Ralph Kalov. I think that's everything. Wow, have I got some books to talk to you about next week. Wow, wow, wow. Um, can't wait to talk to you about those. So look, just look after yourselves. Take care. And I'll speak to you again very soon. Take care now. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. 